All right. As those are going around, let's read through Ephesians 3, 1 through 11. It'll be up on the screen here if you don't have your Bible. Um, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to you, or given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations it has been, or as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise of Christ Jesus. I have, or I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to given me through the working of His power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to or was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was now, or was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be known, should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. So, thank you, everybody, for being here today. I went on uh, into the calendar and counted, and this is Ashley and Mai's 23rd Sunday here at uh, Glad Tidings. Uh, so, we're uh, roughly five months in, I think, is probably, I don't know, is that good math? It might be. I think that's good math. So, we're roughly five months in, and today uh, is the what I hope is the first of many uh, Vision Sundays. So if you're visiting with us, uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about our church moving forward into the future. Um, this last few months, here's confession time. The last few months really and truly have been the most uh, fulfilling and meaningful uh, weeks and months of my ministry life. Uh, I've been doing this for, I don't know, five or six years. I grew up in church, though. And to be honest with you, um, it has been really, really wonderful. Uh, there are hard days like there are in everybody's jobs in life. Uh, but to be honest with you, this is the most fulfilling thing we as a family have ever done vocationally in ministry. And so uh, you're not quite as significant as having kids. You're like a step below that. <laughs> I, ho I hope that's okay. Uh, but you're very close. And so uh, I just wanted to express that to you guys before we got started today uh, because it felt like today was a fitting time to do that. All right? All right. So last week, what we were talking about, the last two weeks, actually, we were talking about the mission statement that's at, that's at the bottom of your weekly news or your bulletin. It says, proclaiming the way of Jesus, and, uh, or following the way of Jesus, and proclaiming he is Lord. And we talked about those two things as the mission statement of our church, the mission or the, or the foundational statements of our church. These, these, were, uh, these are important, and the, the foundations of a church uh, its mission are, is a very big deal, because if you think of a church like a house, right, and a house needs good or solid foundations, 
so that everything that is built on top of that foundation is not topsy-turvy. We all know this. Human beings have known this for thousands of years. And so over the last few weeks, we were talking about those two ideas, the mission of the church. And really, that mission is just the mission that all churches have. We just put it in a different kind of set of letters together and a couple different words, and we put it into a little bit of a phrase that was easy to understand. But really, to pursue the way of Jesus, to follow Jesus well, and to proclaim that he's the Lord of the universe is the central mission of all Christians throughout the, the entirety of the amount of time that there have been Christians, right? This is the true statement. And so we need, it's something we need to come back to over and over and over again, because if we don't have a mission, the church just becomes kind of a nasal-gazing uh, organization, which nasal, navel gazing organization. You can't look at your nose unless you cross your eyes, and if you do that, they might stick that way. <laughs> so you don't want to do that. We just become this organization that kind of looks in at ourselves, and that's never good, right? We ha- the church, the, the global church, is this organization that's called to look out, right? It's called to move forward, and so in that uh, in that vein, today uh, we're having what we're calling Vision Sunday. And vision is this word that gets thrown around in business and in churches a lot. Uh, it seems that everybody is trying to clarify their vision, right? If you go to McDonald's right now, because their stock prices are dying, they're going to be talking about, like, what's the vision for this company so that we can sell more cheeseburgers? Because they, people understand that people need to be compelled by a vision of the future in order to uh, have some perspective or have some clarity about what their next step should be. And so if vision is kind of a weird word for you, if you, it feels a little strange or spooky, uh, we can just define vision today as simply clarity about the future. But calling the Sunday clarity about the future Sunday so it didn't just roll off the tongue in the same way that Vision Sunday did, and so we went with vision. Uh, but this idea of vision or clarity about the future is really, really important. Because if any of you have ever been in a space in your life where you've lost vision or you lost clarity about the future, if you've ever had a traumatic experience in your life, it kind of disorients you. you the thing that you lose is clarity or vision about the future. If you've ever lost a job that you thought you were going to have for a very long time, right? There's this disorienting thing that happens. You feel slightly um, disjointed because you, you've lost something that you had pegged for yourself for the future. For those college students in the room today, the, the only reason you're going to school for a major is because you have a vision or a picture in the future about what you want to be and do, right? And if for some reason that major changes or something gets, or the rug gets pulled out from you in some way, you feel disjointed, you feel lost, you feel like you're floating a little bit. And the same goes for institutions, and the same goes for churches, and the same goes for countries, the same goes for all organizations and people, that a vision for the future, clarity about the future, helps us to chart a course. It helps us to take the proper steps forward. And actually, vision about the future does even more than that because it gives our lives purpose. Robert Jensen, who's a theologian, uh, it's, this is actually in a book that uh, Matthew Stein and I am reading together for uh, his internship. But he said this. This was in the reading for this week that we read together. He says, a live person or community has a future, and a dead person or community does not. Now, he's speaking symbolically here, that any community that's alive has a future. It has direction. It has purpose. And, and I think we've all seen a person or people 
who don't have a vision for the future or just kind of like walking day to day, uh, wandering maybe even is the right word, and they seem to lack a future. They seem to lack vision. And this is incredibly important in the church. If you uh, look at Proverbs 29, 18, it'll be up on the screen here. It says, uh, where there is no vision, and this is the uh, New American Standard translation, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. But happy is he who keeps the law. Another translation, this is the message, I think really captures the idea well. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, right, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. When they can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what God reveals, they are most blessed. And this is a fitting passage for Vision Sunday. Because if we don't get clarity about what God is doing in and through us, we will stumble all over ourselves, both as individuals and as an institution. We will, uh, we will stumble all over ourselves. And in the church, we are not an institution that's meant to set our own course. The global church and the local church. We are not an institution that's called to set our own path or to go in our own direction or way. We are called to follow God. We are called to get our direction, our clarity about the future from Him. And just to clarify uh, my role, the pastoral role in all of this, uh, there is this belief in, in some corners of the church that a lead pastor is like Moses. Okay, maybe you've heard this or maybe you've seen this, where he, is, he or she is supposed to climb the mountain of sorts or wander around in the woods, I guess, or I, I guess for us, I would, I would wander around in a cornfield. Maybe that works. And just go back, out back. Uh, and I do that in order to get a word from God, and then I come down the mountain or out of the cornfield with stone tablets, and on that is written, I say, thus saith the Lord, and then you're all supposed to do what I say right? This is, a, this is a notion of what pastoral leadership is. Uh, but and I think it's a little bit of a faulty one. I think it's a little bit of a false one. Um, that's not exactly how I think it works. I like what Eugene Peterson says, uh, who is a pastor and writer. He says the primary job of a pastor is simply to pay attention to what God is already doing, what God is already doing. And I think this is my responsibility as your pastor to a certain extent, but I also think that it's something the church can and should do together, all right? As we live in relationship or in biblical community, we discern, which is a biblical word to discern, what God would have us to do and be. The Moses model of leadership, I would argue, does not really even exist in the New Testament, I would argue it doesn't. If you read the New Testament, you would see that um, the Apostle Paul, even, this man who saw a vision of the risen Lord and was called into ministry via that vision, still had to be released by a community, not one person, but by a community of people that released him into ministry, right? And if we, uh, this, is how, uh, this is how leaders were chosen in the New Testament. It wasn't one thing or one person. It was a community discerning the will of God. It took multiple voices and multiple hearts and multiple ears to discern what God was doing. All right? And so the New Testament model of discernment or, or hearing God's voice or determining the direction of a community or a people is not uh, univocal. It is not Moses up on the mountain. It is 
all of us together, discerning where God is leading us. And so what I will say today is simply observations about the things that I feel like I'm already seeing in you, things that I feel like are already happening, happening in our church. And my role in that is just to name it and hopefully bring a little clarity to it. Does that make sense? Does that, if you want Moses, I can go in the back, and I think we have a fog machine. That would help, right? No. Uh, so that's, that's what we're going to do today. And we're going we're gonna to look at what I think God is already doing in our midst and where he's kind of nudging us as a community through the lens of Ephesians 3 that was read today. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Ephesians 3 or everything will be on the screen or there's a Bible under the chair in front of you as well. So, uh, so in Ephesians 3, Paul is talking to this church and what he's saying to this church is some very foundational stuff about what the what they, they, they are to do as the church. So he says that God's plan is to bring, and what he essentially is saying is that God's plan was to bring Gentiles into the fold of God's people. So it's, uh, he's bringing now non-Jewish people into the fold or into the family of God. And the good news of the gospel, Paul says, uh, and we talked about this a little bit last week, is that now through Jesus, the Jewish Messiah this is happening. Jesus is now the Lord of all the world, and everyone can come in. This is what Paul is saying. And he says this specifically in verse 6. He says, This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promised promise of Christ Jesus. And because of this good news, uh, the God now wants all people, Paul's summing this up, all people to be a part of uh, God's family with Jesus as the head. Paul is explaining this in passage in verse 7 and 8 and 9 a little bit more. And he's really, really excited about this idea. He uses these big kind of flower, he uses this big flowery language to describe what it is that God is now doing through Jesus, bringing Gentiles into the fold of the family of God. And that now the realm of God, the people of God, is the entirety of the world. And what he says is really interesting because he says that the primary carrier of this message is not he, Paul, right? He, said early, he says in verses 1 and 2 that he's, he's, admin, he's the administrator of God's grace to this church, but he goes on later and says this in verse 10. His intent was now that through the church, through this local church in Ephesus, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul is a messenger, yes. He's the initiator, yes. He's crossing uh, cultural and socioeconomic borders. He's crossing uh, national boundaries and lines to bring this message to, to Gentiles. But he is not the primary uh, steward of this message. The church is called to be the witness to God of the risen Lord. The church, biblically, is called to be the body, the entity, the organization that represents or administers this wisdom, this grace, this, this knowledge of who Jesus is to the world. The church is called to do this. And what's so interesting about all of this is that Paul reiterates this over and over and over again in most of his letters. 
And what, what is so fascinating about this is that I think that when Paul was saying this, this was, this was startling to these people. Because they did not think, I would, I would argue, they did not think that this was their mission or their goal. They, they probably thought that they had come to a realization or that they had gained spiritual power, but they did not see themselves, and this is probably why Paul's re- articulating it again, they probably did not them see themselves as bearing that responsibility. They probably did not. At this time, there were, there were Jewish Christians and there were Gentile Christians and there were some factions and fighting between the two. And they probably, Gentile Christians probably saw, saw themselves in this to a certain extent as second-class citizens. And yet Paul gives them uh, the most, what he calls kind of the most glorious and marvelous job that a human being could have, which is to administer the mystery that is in God, that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is what Paul is saying to the church. And so this Vision Sunday, I kind of want to use this passage, what Paul is saying here to this church as a, as a cipher or a bit of a lens through which we can see what I think God is calling us to. All right? All right. So uh, basically, I, I, can, I can sum up where I feel like God is leading us in two phrases. And the first one is I feel like God is calling us to grow outward. All right? To grow outward. So, uh, as I said earlier, the church is an institution that doesn't really exist for itself. The church exists for the sake of the world. And this is what Paul is saying, right? In verse 10 of this passage, he said the, the good news about Jesus, or the, what he calls the wisdom of God, is to be made known through the church, right? And that there, there's an outward momentum to what Paul is saying needs to happen here. In verse 7, he is the church is, the, is in verse 9, I mean, he, is the, he says that the church is an institution called to administrate the message of Jesus. Each local church, each local assembly then exists for the sake of its community. So we here in Cedar Falls exist for the sake of our community. The biblical trajectory of the book of Acts is always outward, out into communities, out from the places where the message started, out to a different place. A church that is not moving outside of itself is simply standing still. And thus, the calling of every church throughout history has been to grow outward, right? And specifically for our church in Cedar Falls, uh, we can and should grow outward to turn our eyes Uh, to our communities, to our neighbors, to our neighborhoods, to the people we live and work with. If you can imagine the church as a kind of circle of people, everyone standing in a circle shoulder to shoulder should be facing outward, not inward. Because when the people are facing inward, that's when you get in fights about things like carpet color. (laughs) That's a good reason to not face inward. But this, this is an issue, right? And the church needs to be a, an organization with a mission, a purpose. It should be facing, in some real and true sense, outward. And so, uh, how, do we, how do primarily do we grow outward, practically speaking? What are the two things we can do? Um, and I, I believe these are in your notes. But uh, number one, uh, we can love and serve our community. We can love and serve our community. Our vision for our church is that we would be a church that would be known for loving and serving our community. That we would be a people, that we would be a community of people who can tangibly express 
the love of God to other people in love and in service. And maybe over the next year, that looks like uh, specific community partners. Maybe that looks like uh, God capturing our heart for a cause within the context of our community. I don't know what that is. But over the next year, we are called, I believe, to love and serve our community in real and tangible ways. To not be an insular community, and we're really not. I'm, None of this is really a criticism of any of, any of you. But uh, I, I believe that there's this, there's this holy impulse out into our community, and that is primarily represented through relationship as we love and serve those around us. Every church, every church in any local community has a reputation. Am I right? They all do. Lutherans are known as being boring, right? See, that was a joke. There are no ex-Lutherans in here mad at me about that. Man, alive. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, my mother grew up in Mason City, and she said we called them stinky Luths. I was like, Mom, that's a really pejorative thing to say about Lutherans. I happen to like them. And then half our family's Lutheran. So anyways. <laughs> well, who knows? I hope no Lutherans listen to the podcast. <laughs> anyways. So all, that was a, that was a sidebar. All churches have a reputation, right? And in and, and the reality of Christ followers, a genuine community of Christ followers should be a community where we are known by our reputation is such that we love and serve, that, that we would, in public, look like Jesus, right? That we would work for, for the good of our community, that we would work for justice and uh, inequality in our community, that we would work for, uh, that, that people would just flourish, and the church should be known as that type of place. So that's number one. Number two, uh, the second way we can grow outward is simply by making space for others to follow Jesus with us here at this church. We grow out by making space within the context of our actual physical community here. We grow out by making space in our lives as a healthy body of Christ for other people. We grow out by allowing uh, and really by telling people that they're invited to worship God with us. So numerical growth, the numbers, right, the actual uh, hard and fast numbers are important and good, right? Numbers are also good in a sense. But if this uh, numerical growth, right, that we're looking for is not first exemplified in greater love for Jesus and lives that look like his, then any addition to our church is just saccharine, right? It's just filler. It's just artificial. And what often happens in the life of a church, right, is that churches offer people things, right? We offer services to people. Sometimes we offer a service that simply allows them to feel good about themselves. Sometimes we offer services uh, that, for their children. Sometimes we, we, we offer them things. And in a, in a consumer culture, people just kind of glom on to any organization that can offer them things. And that type of growth, that type of numerical growth, is thoroughly uninteresting to me. Because to be honest with you, the, the only type of addition to our community that I'm interested in is the type of addition that is first rooted in, the, in our hearts, that, has, that is a byproduct of our own connection to Jesus, right? Our own personal spiritual growth. That is, the, that is the type of growth that I think is both sustainable and good for our community. 
And if we can exemplify that in our hearts and invite other people into that reality, then the growth that we see outward can be healthy and good. We've all seen growth in nature, right, that is not healthy. You've all seen that tree with that crazy knot on it that just is not good, right? You've all, we've, all seen, we've all seen forms of growth that don't lead to the flourishing of people or things. And in our community, one thing I'm thoroughly committed to is that as we grow, as we develop, as we change, as we move into the future, that that growth, that change, that development be healthy, and that it not be to the sacrifice of our community or our relationships or our love for one another. Does this make sense? So that leads us to the second uh, form of growth. So the second thing, the second uh, idea that I'm pulling from Ephesians here is that the second thing I believe we're called to do into the future is to grow together, to grow together. In verse 2 of Ephesians 3, Paul says this. He says, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. Now this is an interesting phrase that God gave grace to Paul for others, right? That's a little bit strange, but but Peter says the same thing in 1 Peter 4.10. He says, each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others. And faith, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. This means that God gives you grace that you have to share with me. And God gives me grace that I have to share with you. And we have to do that in order to be a flourishing and functioning body, Right? So you administer in some real and true sense God's grace to me, and I can, by virtue of the gifts that were given to me and the grace that was given to me, administer God's grace to you, which means when we're by ourselves, when we're separate, when we're isolated, we are not receiving all that we should from God. Does this make sense? It's fascinating that that God built this into the very fabric of what he wants the church to be, that the church has to be a community, first and foremost, that is together, that is in relationship, that is in community, that is is extending and receiving grace one to the other, right? So often we think in uh, kind of the Western American mindset that my spirituality is a personal thing, right? That it's this thing with me and God, right? We think this all of the, all of the time. It's it's a common thing. It's a it's even it's more than personal. It's private, right? I don't even need to talk about it. But the reality of what the church is is the church is the body of Christ. There's always these corporate together kind of uh, ideas or pictures about what the church is called to be. And until we grow together more. Until we are together, until we see and hear one another's stories, until we learn and grow together, until we, sh- until we bear one another's burdens, until, until we walk with each other through difficult places and parts of life, until we do those things, we, are ne- we will never be the people that we are supposed to be. And we will never be, if these passages are correct, we will never be as close to God as we would like to be. This is just a truth of the Bible, and it's one that we don't always like, because I would like it to just be me in my Bible, in my room, by myself, right? I would like that sometimes, because people, what, who, people can be horrible, right? 
People can be bad. People can be frustrating. People can get on my nerves. And if I don't have to deal with them, things will be great. Which happens not to be true at all, just for the record. <laughs> but because you're not that great either. It's just, it's just a little insight. Uh, but there's this truth that is all throughout the scriptures. And that truth is that we have to grow together as a people, as a community, as followers of Jesus, first and foremost, to even grow outward, like I was saying earlier. By loving each other, by bearing one another's burdens, by, uh, by suffering with each other in a long and extended way, the Bible even talks about, we are able to grow together and to be more and more and more the expression of the kingdom of God in our location, in our locality, that God would have us to be. And so, as we move into the future, right? As we move into what God will have for us in the coming months and weeks and years. It should have been weeks and months and years. That would have made more sense. As we move in that direction, the thing that I think is most pressing, most central to any church, to any community of faith, to any group of people gathered together that call themselves a church, the thing that is most pressing is that they get their mission correct, right? That they know what they're called to do, that they not be staring at themselves, right? Or at, or at some other facet of their existence, but that they have their mission right. They know what they're called to do. And they know the way in which they're called to do it. Maybe we call this mission and vision, right? But ultimately, the mission of our church, the mission of any church, is to pursue the way of Jesus and proclaim that he is Lord. And I think for us this year, the vision, the direction, the purpose of maybe where we're, gro where we're growing, where we're going, what we're doing, is to both grow outward, right, and to grow deeper in relationship with each other, to grow inward in some real and true way, to continue to invest in each other in a way that is significant and deep, that will transform our own hearts and our own minds so that we can be the type of community that can represent Jesus well, right? I think that's what we would all want. We want to represent Jesus well in the world. And, in, and as we grow together, we do that more and more and more. And as I said earlier, uh, none of this is anything that I haven't just seen in us already to a certain extent. I think much of what, uh, much of what I say uh, on Sundays is a byproduct of simply the relationships that I have with all of you, the things that we, we think and do together, the, way, the prayers that we pray together, the time that we spend together, right? The, the bread that we break around table together, the, the, both the joys and the sorrows that we live together. This process, this process of being a church, this process of moving forward as a church is always a process of togetherness. It's always a process of growth, both together and outward. So that is what I think are, if you, if you, if you, uh, you held me, my feet to the fire. That's what I think the vision is, the clarity about the future is for our community, our congregation moving into the future. Let's pray. Father, we love you, Jesus, and we ask that as, uh, as we move into the future, God, 
that your love, that your uh, spirit would guide us. Father, we don't know all of the twists and turns that our individual lives are going to take. And in the same way, we don't know all the twists and turns that a community of Jesus followers uh, will take. We don't know who's going to be added to our number. We don't know who's going to be subtracted to our number, whether because they move or for whatever reason. We simply don't have the answers to these questions, God. But we know that you are leading and that you are guiding. And that as we follow you, we get clarity about the future. As we follow you, we don't stumble all over ourselves, but rather we, we take uh, deliberate um, steps into the plans that you have for us. Jesus, we submit our lives to you. We submit the plan and the purpose of our lives to you. And we submit this church as an organization to you. It's yours. It always was. But we again reaffirm that we submit it to you. Jesus, we love you. And we ask you would help us to love you more. We pray it all in your name. Amen and amen. So, before you get up, nobody stand. Let's see. Man, whenever I, I say mean things and then everybody looks at me like, I think he really was mean. I think he was really being mean. Anyways. Uh, so, uh, you are all invited to our potluck uh, after, uh, as we leave today. So, uh, nobody leave. All right? All right. Uh, and then immediately following that, we will come down and have our annual business meeting, which I don't know if you've ever been to an annual business meeting before, but they're more fun than football. <laughs> so just for the record. All right. Uh, yeah, they are. If you don't like football, then yes, it's way more fun than football. All right. Uh, go up to the fellowship hall in the grace and the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Amen. <laughs>